Well, uh, we are in our third uh, week of a series called Living Below Your Potential. And uh, so I was given this topic, and I've been praying about it for a couple weeks and working on it, and I'm excited. So I want to start out with a question. Can you think of a time um, that you have missed a golden opportunity, whatever that may be in your, in your brain? Um, some of you may be thinking uh, of like an investment you missed out on. Amazon in 1997, you missed out, <laughs> right? You'd be a millionaire. Um, some of you might be thinking of a Groupon that you missed, and it was a huge bummer. Um, sometimes it's little things like free Slurpee Day at 7-Eleven. It happens once a year, and if you're not paying attention, you miss out. There's also Bring Your Own Slurpee Container Day. That's even better. One time we took a, an actual bucket to 7-Eleven and filled the bucket up with Slurpee, and then we also had this lemonade dispenser that we took, and we're like leaning it in there. All our girls had straws, and they're just like, Shh. Then we just kept freezing it and unfreezing it. We had Slurpees for like a year. Anyway, um, those are, you know, those are golden opportunities, um, but I want to think more spiritually uh, centered golden opportunities. Um, I think back to uh, one that was pretty recent. A couple months ago, I was at the skate park. Um, I'm an awkwardly tall skateboarder, probably like the biggest skateboarder ever. Um, but I still have a passion for skateboarding, and even more so kids who are at the skate park. Uh, a lot of them are just lost and need a lot of guidance and all sorts of stuff. And so I go there sometimes, not to skate, but to just hang out with kids. And, uh, and so I was down there, and I'm, I'm talking with this kid, and he's like in his 20s. I've been a youth pastor now for 14 years, so people are like old now that, uh, that I was a pastor to a long time ago. And so this kid goes, hey, he's like, aren't you that guy from that Triangle Lake camp? And I'm like, yeah. And he, got, he had gone like 10 years ago. And so I didn't recognize him. He had a beard and he was smoking a cigarette. You know, it does not look like a kid from church camp. Um, but, uh, you know, we're talking and he asks me um, some questions about camp, and, and I missed the opportunity because I had this opportunity to kind of, I could tell he was kind of in a rough place, and I didn't ask him about his, his walk or, man, you know, what, what, what's up with you now? Or, 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 you know, I could have asked him life and faith and, and God and all sorts of things, but he asked me this question about church camp, and I just started talking about tubing and all these random things that, like, really didn't matter. And I left the skate park feeling like such a failure because I go down there and I pray. I'm like, God, give me opportunities and let me see this kid. And, and, I, and I'm expecting of those things that I just wasn't in the right mindset. And here was this opportunity right before me. And I totally failed. And I left the skate park. I was in my car and I'm like, I'm such an idiot. Like, what a failure. And, and like, what a joke. I just totally blew that. But I went home and I was so upset about it. I was like literally just like, what an idiot. I, I prayed about it. I'm like, God, give me another opportunity. And I went down a couple days ago, and he was, or a couple days after, and he was there. And I totally redeemed myself and <laughs> talked to him about life and all sorts of stuff. But that doesn't always happen. That doesn't happen very often. Um, and so uh, I was thinking, um, you know, God gives us so many opportunities so many things right in front of our eyes that we tend to miss if we're not ready, um, if we're not attentive, if we're not being intentional. There's so many things that we miss. So then I was thinking, okay, let's just put this into a real perspective. Let's say uh, a church like ours, let's say 300 people, let's say we all missed one 
opportunity for God to use us to speak into somebody, to serve somebody, to love somebody. One opportunity a day in a year, that's 109,000 missed opportunities. 109,000 missed opportunities that just our one little church um, could, could miss out on. And so that is living below our potential. Um, what a different world we would live in if every person took action on the opportunities God gave them to serve and to love. So many more people would be comforted and encouraged and fed and housed, right? And listened to and loved and led to Jesus and blessed in so many ways. Think of all the people that would sense the love of God in their lives if we were intentionally keeping our eyes open to every way he wants to use us. So uh, there is a very familiar passage of scripture. You can turn to Luke chapter 10 if you have your Bibles. Uh, this, is, uh, this is one of my favorites, but it's something you've probably heard a few sermons on if you've been in church uh, for a while. Um, and, uh, and so my prayer this morning is that, uh, man, can we get that buzz out of there or that little thingy? Um, so my, my prayer is that right here and right now in this time and place, that something in the scripture would be fresh to you. It would be new. It would speak something new into your heart and into your life, even if you've read this a hundred times. Um, so let me pray for that, Lord. Um, we know this scripture uh, whether we're a believer or a, not a believer, whether we're brand new to church or been in the church a, a, a hundred years, Lord, um, you, uh, you are able to speak through your word to us, Lord, today um, and for something tomorrow and something that's going to happen this week. So I pray that it would just be alive and active and fresh to our hearts and minds this morning, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so Luke chapter 10. I'm going to actually read from the ESV um, just because of a, a little bit of the wording, the English Standard Version, but the NIV, NIV and everything else really close. So Jesus is talking to some people. He says, and behold, here's the story. A lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I think he's trying to actually kind of skirt around, like, who do I not have to love? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of them. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. What I love about the story is that Jesus got really specific. He could have very easily said, okay, the priest walked by, the Levite walked by, and then the Samaritan walked by, and he helped the guy. End of story. 
But he didn't do that. He, he wasn't just general. He got really specific, and he got to the how the Samaritan helped this guy. And so that leads me to believe when Jesus says, go and do likewise, he said all of these hows because he wants us to know exactly how. He, wants us to be, he, he wanted us to learn the specifics of how he wants us to serve uh, people in need. So um, it's in these directions of how to be a neighbor that Jesus said, go and do likewise. He said, go and be that person. Go and neighbor as I have taught you. So we're going to walk through five uh, things that I want to draw out of the scripture on how to serve those in need. And then I have five questions and some different scriptures to walk through. So we'll get to it. Number one, how specifically did the Samaritan help? Okay, He saw the person and he felt compassion. This is huge, but it's, it's something that our eyes aren't always open to the people around us that are in need. A lot of the times we've got our phone up and we're like looking at ourselves, right? Um, and so we have to have our eyes open and then we have to feel something. We have to be thinking outside of ourselves and allow ourselves to feel something. He felt compassion. Some other scriptures say he felt pity or he was moved, okay? So when I studied this word for compassion in the Greek, um, I found that it means to be moved in the inward parts. So your heart, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions um, are stirred. But even more so, it refers to something that you feel in your gut, okay? And it even goes as far to explain it as like a bowel movement, okay? So this is something that you feel in your gut, and you can feel it stirring and moving. When, when he saw the man, he felt this. He felt something for him. And then it moved him to act. And so that's another part of that, is that this, uh, this, this Samaritan, um, he, when he felt something, he acted on it immediately. He took action. So one of my favorite quotes regarding the Good Samaritan actually comes from uh, Martin Luther King. He said this, he said, the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? And that is such a huge need in our culture because we're so constantly thinking about ourselves and our comforts and all of these different things. And the Good Samaritan reversed this question and flipped it upside down, and he put all of the concern about the other person, which I think is just absolutely uh, how every Christian should live. So um, my question for you in this is when we feel something in our gut, why do we talk ourselves out of doing good? This is one thing we can identify this morning that is a major contributor to missing golden opportunities. So many times we feel something, but we have all these thoughts. Oh, well, I've got, I'm going here. I'm doing this. Well, I, can't, I can't stop because of this. That's not safe. And this and that. And we have all these things. We talk ourselves out of these gut feelings that we have, and then we just cruise on by these golden opportunities. So... I have a quick video um, that speaks volumes to this topic. Um, it's one of the what would you do videos. It's really old. It's, it's probably from like, I don't know, 1999 or something. Um, but it's not even widescreen, <laughs> um, right? And so uh, it's, I love these things because they just make you think. 
Um, and so the scenario, I'm not going to show you the whole video. It's really good, though. So first, this businesswoman collapses on the sidewalk. And they have all these cameras. Who's going to help her? How long does it take? It's an average of three seconds, or sorry, six seconds for someone to help a businesswoman that collapses on the road, like faints. Then they do a homeless guy, and it goes up to three minutes before someone will help him. Then they add a beer can, um, and that's what I want to show you. So watch this and see how people respond. Psychologist at Yale University. And God forbid they're holding a beer can. If they're holding a beer can, it gives us the explanation, the excuse not to get involved and still believe we're the good people in this situation. And that certainly seemed to be the case when Mick fell once more, this time carrying alcohol. We waited. Our beautiful view of New Jersey. And waited. And waited. In all, 88 people go by, and we're beginning to think no one will ever step up to the plate. But then we meet this most extraordinary woman. Excuse me. Excuse me. Linda Hamilton, who police tell us is sometimes homeless herself. Excuse me, can somebody call this man an ambulance? Excuse me, could you call him an ambulance? A lone voice asking for help. But unbelievably, 26 more people walk by, ignoring her. That beautiful face of hers, shaking somberly. What she can see is people being callous and uncaring. The cruelty in the world that she's, there's a kind of sadness there. Finally, Linda Hamilton's courageous example turns the tide. 911, where is your emergency? Hi, I'm a passerby, but there's a man out on the street. He's passed out. When we speak to Good Samaritan Batul Phillisman later, incredibly enough, she says she stopped because she remembered that videotape from Washington. I didn't want the same thing to happen to this gentleman. Once she steps in, others do too. This man improvises a pillow. She gave the homeless man a name. She said, I'll call you Billy. And she tried to comfort him. The actor playing the homeless guy was so touched. He said, I felt like she was an angel. And she was an angel. By giving him the name Billy, she really created a personal connection. She had a bond with that person that nobody else was even willing to consider. Open your eyes. Even after our camera... Oh, what a beautiful story. It takes everything in me to not cry every time I watch that. I cried in my office this week watching it. <laughs> but um, just, oh, like over 100 people walked by. 
Um, and, and so as Christians, we just cannot be calloused. Um, we, can't, we can't view people based on stereotypes or uh, race or any of those things. Like we have to just be the person Jesus called us to be to each and every person. Um, so uh, we, need to, we need to learn to see and to feel and to act instead of talking ourselves out of a situation. Uh, how the people felt that saw that video later and they walked by, you know, ugh, <laughs> that's just scary. Um, so just pretend like every situation you're in, there's hidden cameras and you're going to be on TV for the rest of the world to see how you act. Um, all right, so uh, let's, let's go on to number two. Um, so, so he saw and he acted and all of those things. The number two one is he touched the person. All right, so he touched, and this is where the Samaritan went way beyond the norms, okay? We all, we all have heard different things about the Jews and Samaritans would never interact. Obviously, they would never interact physically. They would never touch each other. They hated each other, that sort of thing, all right? So Jesus was showing us that sometimes we need to get a little uncomfortable. We can't always play it safe. He crossed the road. He picked up this person. He started cleaning up their wounds. Like these are actually probably like gross, bloody cuts, right? This guy is like half naked and beat up and cut up, okay? And so this is so important because touch is a huge part of healing um, and comfort and showing some that, someone that they're loved. And I know that we're not all touchy-feely people, um, but all throughout the Bible we get examples of how touch brings healing. Um, so Luke 4.40 is a scripture I want to draw out real quick. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. And, and so this is just a special thing that goes back to prayer. It goes back to healing. When we physically touch people, um, it brings healing. And I think Christians need to be healers um, all around. So a quick story from my life. I have some homeless friends that live down in the woods, uh, kind of behind Nautilus, down in the canyon there. And over years of being at the Mountain View offices, which I love because we're right in the community, we're not down some gravel road, um, people are walking by all the time and coming in and stuff. And so over the past, like, 10 years, I built a relationship with uh, a lot of people. But um, a lot of these people come in and they smell really bad. Um, and uh, sometimes they're kind of scary. And uh, sometimes they stink up my office, and sometimes, you know, all these different scenarios. But I decided a long time ago, I'm going to treat anybody that comes into our office just like I would treat a normal appointment, right? So I'm going to have them sit down in my chairs. I'm going to shake their hands. I'm going to give them a hug. I'm going to lay my hands and pray on them, all of those things. And so over time, I built this relationship with this couple. Um, and because of me laying my hands on them and, and being personable with them, um, they actually asked me to do their wedding. And so uh, I treated this couple as I would treat any other couple. And I met with them in my office, and I talked through marriage with them, and I got their story, and I put a ton of work into their ceremony, and I married them in a cemetery um, in Oregon City. It was the Mountain View Cemetery. I did their wedding because the husband, Bam, he wanted his grandma to be there, and she was dead, and she's, she's buried at the cemetery. So we did the wedding there. It was really odd, um, but also really wonderful. There were about eight people there. One was Amanda, and, uh, and I actually had all sorts of excuses. I was supposed to be somewhere that day and all this stuff, 
but I did their wedding, and, and it was awesome. And so I feel like I got to be a part of their lives and their story because I went beyond the norms. Um, I stepped out a little of my comfort zone, and hopefully God will continue to give me opportunities to touch their lives. So um, I'm not tooting my own horn. I just want to give you these real-life examples um, you know, from my life. Um, but I also don't want you to get stuck on the homeless thing. Like, I'm thinking way outside of, of that box, all right? So my question is, is this. Are you playing it safe, or are you going beyond the norms? And will you ask God to help you get uncomfortable? Because by nature, we're all going to get comfortable, and we're going to want to stay comfortable. And to grow and to serve God in the ways that he has for you, we're going to have to get a little uncomfortable. And this is the heart of the story for me today. It just kept coming back and back and back, this comfort thing. There is nothing comfortable about this story. There is nothing comfortable, not one thing. Bandaging up a naked, bloody stranger and then taking them to a hotel and staying the night with them is very uncomfortable for me, right? And for all of us, probably. And this is what Jesus is saying. Go be this person. Go do that. Go be like this guy, right? And so he wants us to color outside the lines. He wants us to be Christians on Monday through Saturday. And I just kept coming back to this comfort thing because we get comfortable and we can become a church where we show up on Sunday and we have our really comfortable, safe service. And then we go out into the world and the rest of the week, um, you know, we hardly do anything else that puts our faith to action. And so I don't want to become that church. So wherever you are in your faith, I want to tell you God is not done with you. He has opportunities for you every day, and whoever God puts in front of you in that day, in that moment, that's your assignment for that day. You might have all other sorts of things going on and thoughts, but God puts certain people in front of you, and those are golden opportunities, and that's your assignment for that moment. All right, so he saw, he felt, he took action, he touched. And number three, he used his resources to help and to heal. So if we look back at the story, what did the Good Samaritan specifically do? He bound his wounds. He used his oil and wine, I think, to sanitize and heal the wounds. Then he put him on his donkey and took him to the inn, right? He could have just said, get well, man. I'm going to pray for you, okay? And, and we do that. And that's okay. Sometimes we can't stop or whatever, and I say prayer for people, and that's okay, but the scripture is so clear over and over of how important it is to use our gifts and our talents, right, that, uh, that serve others. So 1 Peter 4, 8 uh, through 10 says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. All right, last story uh, about me. Um, uh, so uh, I have a, a passion for cars. I love cars. I love restoring cars, that sort of thing, okay? Um, and so uh, something that I do uh, from time to time is I, I try to keep a good jack and a good tire iron in my car because the ones that come in your cars are terrible. You have to, like, tear your whole car apart to get to it and it doesn't even work when you do get it and all this stuff. So I was on a camping trip, uh, or I was going by myself to Central Oregon um, to fish. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to throw in my good jack and my good tire iron, all this stuff. I'm going to pray for an opportunity to, uh, to change somebody's tire, to bless somebody in that way. 
Because when you're way out there in the sticks, there's no cell phone service. You can't call Les Schwab, you know, and stuff like that. So I'm driving, 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 driving. And uh, I'm three and a half hours from home. I'm one mile from my turnoff. And I'm like, well, I guess it's not going to happen today. And so, uh, and so right then, I come over this hill, and I start swerving because there's like big chunks of rubber in the road. And I'm like, yes. And so <laughs> I, see this, I see this guy. His boat tire blew up. I just pull on over, right? And I'm like, all right, here we go. And I jump out. And there were some false alarms where I was like driving by, and somebody's pulled over. And I'm like looking at their tires, and they're just like peeing or something, you know? And so this was a true blown tire. I pull over, and I'm like, you guys need anything? He goes, I always have my tools. This is a dad with four boys. He goes, I always bring my tools. He goes, I didn't throw them in. He goes, I need a, a jack and a tire iron. And I'm like, well, I threw those things in this morning for this very purpose. And so I go and grab it, and his boys are like, I can't believe you have exactly what we need, <laughs> right? And, and so I just get out there, and it's like little Aaron Anderson, Les Schwab. I'm like, right? And I'm, I'm doing the tire, and the boys are like, they're just standing there watching the dads give them a bad time. Like, you guys, what are you letting him change the tire for, you know? And all this stuff. But I prayed for the opportunity. I was intentional, threw my tools, and God gave me that very opportunity. These guys would have been stuck for no, who knows how long, right? I didn't pray a prayer of repentance or anything with them, but God was faithful. He gave me that opportunity to use my passion, my gift, whatever, right? So um, I, I changed tires, Okay, that's, that's my thing. But you, the, the end, the, the possibility, the list of, of things is, is, it's endless, right? Little things, like you could be a good cook. You could use that in so many ways to bless people, right? A batch of warm rolls is about the biggest blessing anyone can get, right? If you're sick or your family's sick, or whatever, like taking somebody a meal, all of those things, Right? We might need a leadership position in the church. You could step up. You have the gift of leadership. Step up and fill one of those positions, right? Um, there are just so many, so many things that you can do to bless people. You might be a fisherman, and you could just bless me by taking me fishing, right? Um, there's so many things. So when we open ourselves up, God will bless us with golden opportunities to be used by him. Okay, let's move on. Number four, he changed his plans and he gave his time. I'm not 100% sure on this, but I'm pretty sure the Samaritan wasn't planning on staying the night at that inn that night. He was going somewhere else. He went out of his way. He changed his plans, and, uh, and he made an adjustment for this guy. Um, and so why is this important? Because I believe that most of us miss out on our golden opportunities because we're not willing to adjust our schedules how many times are we going places and we're doing things and we've got kids in the car and we're doing all this stuff, um, you know, and like we have some sort of opportunity and we're just like, like you want to help, you want to do something, but you're just like, I, I just, I'm, I can't, I'm not going to, you know, and we make that decision. So you probably do care, right? You probably would like to help. You might care enough to pray about the situation even, but will you give your time Will you let it affect your schedule? And so my main question here is, what is the rush? What is truly more important than helping someone in need? We're rushing everywhere. We're going all these places. We're doing all these things. We're going to soccer games, right, and birthday parties and all this stuff. 
Uh, and I'm not just talking about like roadside help. I'm just talking about all these things that happen in our lives where people are in need and we're so busy. I feel like we miss out on so many golden opportunities. So I want you to just ask, what is the rush? What is the rush? And what is really more important than serving people and showing people love and being bright and shining that light of Jesus in people's lives? I don't think there's much more that's more important. Scripture has a lot to say about this, how to love and how to live it out. 1 John 3, 16 through 18 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. When I think about people giving their time and resources um, and letting others affect their schedule, I think there are a lot of people in our church that I really do think of. Um, But for me, my stepdad, Neil, um, is the type of person that will drop anything at any time for anyone. And my father-in-law, Ed, he'll drop anything for anyone at any time. Um, And so uh, recently we were on a vacation, and uh, and Ed's missing, my father-in-law. We're like, where's Ed? What's what's he doing? You know, we're just kind of sitting out in the airport waiting. We had like a four-hour layover. This is where like on vacation, I'm like, oh, I want a, a break from humanity. I want to like not do anything nice for anyone but myself. Um, I want to just like read and relax and all of these different things. And so here we find my father-in-law, Ed. He found a single mom that was struggling in the airport. He bought her dinner and then he's holding her baby so she could eat the dinner while, uh, while, you know, we're hanging out in the airport. And this is the type of thing where, like, most people are sitting there, like, wasting four hours playing, like, a mindless phone game or something. And here's Ed. He has his eyes open. He's seeing the situation. We're like, wow, thanks, Ed. Thanks for making us feel terrible about ourselves. Like, we didn't even notice this lady. And here he is rocking her baby while she's eating Chinese that he bought for her, right? So... This guy, uh, this guy, uh, this good Samaritan, right? He went above and beyond. He saw, he felt, he acted. He did all of these things, right? This leads me to my last thing we learn. He took the guy to the inn. He paid for the expenses. And then he told him he would cover any extra costs. So this is number five. He had money to spend. He had money to spend. And... Uh, What I want to say about this, I don't have to say much about this, especially to our church, but he made a monetary personal sacrifice, and this doesn't happen by accident, okay? We have to be intentional if we're going to give, because most of us, we get to the end of the month, and we're not intentional about how much we're going to set aside to give or to bless. We end up spending it all on ourselves every month. That's just how it happens. And so, for most of us, we have to be intentional about putting money aside to serve others. The scriptures are really clear on this as well. This is my last scripture from 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. This is from the message because I love the way that it says it. He says, remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. He says, take plenty of time to think it over. In other words, plan on giving and be intentional about what you're going to be able to give. 
And again, we just bought a $4,000 well for this village, right? Like when, when I think of generous people, I think of our church. Whenever we have things that are needs, our church responds really, really well, okay? But we always have that room for growth. So here's my question. <clears throat> How are you being intentional about giving to those in need? And are you willing or able to make a sacrifice in your budget to love, serve, and give to those in need? So why does all this matter? Why is this important that we practice these principles? Because our world is full of people that are beat up by life, people that need someone to listen to them, people that are hurting, people that are lost, people in need of healing, people that need to be touched, they need someone to care, they need to see a God at work through his people. Jesus said that his disciples would be known by the way they love, and he commissioned us to go and do likewise, to go and be the Samaritan. So this isn't just our family and our close friends that we're serving, right? These are people that scare us. These are people that creep us out. These are people we meet on vacation, that are on uh, the sidewalk, that are on the roads, that are our neighbors, the people sitting next to you. God wants us to, to serve everyone in this way, not just our friends and family. And living this way isn't always an instant happy ending, right? Some stories may end painfully. Some stories may draw out for a really long time. Some things may take years. Some things may be a lifetime investment, right? But God, in all of his wisdom, knows your potential. He knows your gifts. He knows your situation. And if you're willing, he's going to give you amazing opportunities to bless others and to serve others and to make a huge difference. So another amazing thing about this as I close is that when we live this way, we grow. It stretches us. It ignites our faith. We see God at work. We get to swap stories of how we're serving people, right? All of these different things. It's exciting and it's fun and it blesses us. So my application for you is this, to really reflect on those questions and ask, God, where am I lacking in these five areas? Where do you want me to grow in these five areas? Okay, and my prayer for all of us to go back to the beginning is that you would pray that through the Holy Spirit that God would guide you with your gut, that you would go with your gut more often, that when you feel something, right, when you, when you feel it in your gut and you're being moved, that you wouldn't talk yourself out of it somehow, but that you would allow God to guide you with your gut. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come and... Uh, I just pray that we would be expectant of our next golden opportunity, that we would be ready to listen to our gut and act on our feelings in spite of fear or time or comfort or cost. And so I want you to stand, and I want you to either record a prayer on your, uh, on your bulletin or to just say a quick prayer right now. How would you respond to this message in prayer? How would you ask God to move you or change you or stretch you or take you out of your comfort zone? Just take a couple seconds to just say that quick prayer. I'm sorry I took extra time, but we'll close here in song.